Evening, guys. Um, we were singing songs about, he called my name, and I ran out of that grave, and I thought, sometimes we can just get stuck in that grave, can't we? Imagine if Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He thought, well, I'm healed. I've done lots of things wrong, but I'm not going to come out because I'm embarrassed. There's shame. The word I got was shame. So if there's anyone tonight feeling shame or feeling that they can't come to the feet of Christ, it's a lie. Shame's a lie. Christ is there calling for you, so come out of the grave. Come and meet Christ, your Savior. So let's start. So James 3, 13 to 18 from the NIV. Bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Probably the least wise person speaking about wisdom tonight. But who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it. Don't lie about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every foul practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. You know, I trawled the internet this week trying to find some gambits of knowledge, some bits of wisdom. I was wondering if you could throw the slide up. So the first bit I found on the internet was a black screen. <laughs> Not going now. Still got a black screen. Is it not working now? Okay, don't worry. I'll do the actions. So basically the first one was about how we need to be wise like the ants and the bees. According to this um, newspaper, which I think was a chronicle or a spectator, something, some British paper, I had a picture of the, the bees making their little boom, booms, little houses, and they're saying they're really wise. We should listen to them. Turn that one off straight away. The next one was um, an influencer um, during a Black Lives Matter um, protests. Pepsi thought it was a good idea, a wise idea to probably jump on the back of it and try and sell Pepsi. Didn't go down well. Not the wisest idea, uh, idea they've had. And then you had um, an app called Wisdom. So I Googled Wisdom, I got a Wisdom app. Not sure if anyone's used it, but it purely says on the screen, we will take your money, we will put it towards our business, we will use our expertise, and somewhere down the bottom of the line, it says you. So I got a feeling it's not about you, it's about growing their business and their brand. One of the first ones that I came when I spoke to Jeff, because Jeff, senior pastor, he's wise. Not so wise in years, but wise, Jeff. And he said, if at first you don't succeed, don't try skydiving, which is a fair point. If you can't succeed first time, don't try skydiving. And it's a shame this slide isn't working because one thing that really touched me this week, and I was reading about it, I thought, wisdom, I thought, how do we Google this? And it was a passage saying, why was Jesus not born in Ireland? Now, that was a bit of a random comment. Why was Jesus not born in Ireland? Because why would he be? Read further down, there's no wise man in Ireland, is there? There should have been a leprechaun up there, but there's not now, which is probably quite good in all respects. But in all seriousness, today, we're surrounded by wisdom and wise things of the world, aren't we? We're bombarded by it. We have influencers who are on YouTube telling us how we should smile. Like, when does a smile ever turn into a pout? 
suggesting the only way to be happy is to wear this brand, talk this way, like this thing, click this, click that, don't say this, don't say that. But in all things, just be who you want to be, as long as you're happy, and be at one with Mother Earth. We then have TikTok, Facebook, and all the rest of the social media mafiosa, who just seem alone to themselves. They can say comments, they can delete it, they can edit things, they can just say what they want to say and they get away with it. Then you have Netflix, which I'm going to move on completely from because Netflix is a whole thing in itself. But I love the book of James. It's like God's word with a physical punch, isn't it? You read through all, most of the um, scriptures and it's, yeah, but it cuts, it cuts. But James is literally in your face screaming. I think of Peter when he was a young disciple was writing this because he was quite in a man of action. He would have been very much in the st style of James. He would have been like, come on, wake up, get a grip, guys, wake up. This is what we need to be reminded of. We're surrounded by the wisdom and the wiseness of the world, but it's not wise. And where does it lead? It doesn't lead anywhere apart from to death. Paul reminds the Romans that we are not of this world. We're no longer to walk according to the flesh, to the sinful person, to the sinful man or woman. But we walk in the spirit of Christ. And by walking in the spirit of Christ, we have peace and we have life. Which by its very nature, when you have peace and when you have life and you have the spirit of God in you, by that very nature, you have wisdom already. So the context of the book, um, the passage we're looking at tonight, James 3. James started his uh, first one by saying, not everyone should teach. Don't all aspire to be teachers. There's no need for it. Because when you do, you're going to be held into a greater account. Then he moves on saying, if you are teaching, your tongue is untamable. Guard your tongue. Guard your heart. Guard what you say. And then tonight, he says, you think you're wise. Prove it. Prove it by your actions. Prove it by what you say. Prove it by how you act. Some of the traits he brings up in these leaders, see if you can spot any. Bitter envy, selfish ambition, boasting, lying. Imagine if you had that within the body now. Imagine if you had that. Look around and see if you can find it. Or maybe look at yourself first and see if you can find it in yourself. He even says what these traits will lead to. They lead to disorder within the body of Christ. Every foul practice, as Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians, sexual immorality, idolatry, all forms of depravity, it's all spoken by it. It all leads to sin. And you know, the problem of an unhealthy leader, an unhealthy head, is that the body becomes sick. If the head's sick, the body becomes sick. If there's only earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, the result is obvious. Christ isn't going to be glorified. And as I said, infection spreads and it kills the body. So James starts by saying, who's wise among you guys? Who's here? Who here is wise? Doesn't give you a chance to answer. He says, well, prove it. Prove it by your actions. There's a bird and a beast. <laughs> there, there we go. Oh, not slide. It's not that one. But prove it. Prove it by your actions. Because what you're showing me is not wisdom. What you're showing me is that you actually belong to the world. Jim says that to see the evidence of God as wisdom, they should see it within their lives. It should be humility there. It should be good works. It should be the complete opposite of selfish ambition. Rivalry and selfish ambition from a leader to lead. I'm a minister in training. Could you imagine if I said, right, Jeff, it's past his sell-by date. He's not as good as he used to be. I want to do this. All me, myself, and I. Would you even want to follow me? Because I wouldn't. You don't need a leader that's looking out for themselves. You're looking for a leader who's looking to Christ to lead. Or someone who wants to make a name for themselves. I learned this. 
I'll tell you what that says. I'll tell you how to interpret that. I'll tell you what this translation says. Well, if it's not from God, I'm not really interested in what you're going to say. It's what you listen to. What you listen to. Now, even though this passage was and is for the leaders, don't think you guys are off the hook. Douglas Moo coined the phrase, phantom wisdom. The word phantom meaning a figment of your imagination, something that's not there. Phantom wisdom is where we believe we have wisdom, but the results of our actions, the results of our words, is just the complete opposite. It's ungodliness. And it's all around us in today. Today's example I would point to, and this is going to show how old I am. You have the chat show hosts, Oprah Winfrey. You have Loose Women, which I've never watched, but I can imagine. There's loads of stuff on TV which propagate this sort of stuff. But where does it lead? Where do the influencers lead you to? They lead you to the disorder, sorry, the eating disorders, anxiety, bullying, racism, sexual discrimination, spiritual wickedness, hate speech. And that's just a few. And you think, well, not, not really, not all of them. Look into the words and look at the fruit of what they're saying. Can you really see any godly wisdom that comes from them? But it's not just the world that we see this in. Again, look to ourselves first. Where do we see this within ourselves? We see it on Christian channels. We see it on God TV, TBN, UCB, when they play sermons or host speakers who directly contradict the word of God. You should tell them by their fruit. And if their fruit isn't shown good fruit of the Christ, they're not of Christ. Again, the result is death. But then you say, well, but they've got huge followings. I mean, who am I, who am I to turn around and say, these, these people over here who've been doing it for 30 years, they must have, there must be a little bit of gold nugget in there. Well, there might be a gold nugget in there, but there's lots of other stuff that you don't need to hear. Simply, if it's not bearing fruit, it's dead. We have an earlier account of a group within the Bible who should have wisdom by the bucket load. They were, in fact, by their actions, very opposite. By their actions and words, they proved that their wisdom was just of the world and not from above. The Pharisees were the most respected of in society, most learned, most understanding of the Torah. Ask them anything. They were your go-to guys. But the problem of being a go-to guy is that you think you are the go-to guy. You think that you have the wisdom. You think you are wise. And sometimes they become so self-absorbed in their learning and understanding within society that they just missed the very Messiah that they were waiting for. They're so blinded by their selfish pride and ambition. But how many times have we been guilty of this, of not seeing the full picture? I know I'm right. But did you hear what they said? That was wrong. They're wrong. Yeah, but you might be right, but you're still wrong in the way that you respond. You can be right, but wrong. You can say, but we're Pentecostals. We, we worship God in spirit and truth. You can have a pride about your denomination or your movement. We do this. We don't do infant baptisms. We don't do that. You can have theologians who say, well, yeah, there wasn't really a worldwide flood. Noah didn't really do that. And how, where did the kangaroos and the dinosaurs come from? Who cares? Honestly, who cares? By becoming so pride and wanting to get a name for themselves, all they're doing is showing that they have not got through Christ. The list just goes on and on and on. Pride within ourselves is selfish ambition. And that wisdom, as James says, is demonic because it will tear apart the church. And you will be held accountable. James 3.1. So how do we find wisdom? 
There was a man in the Bible called Job who went, underwent some pretty horrific calamities. Lost his house, lost his children, lost his wife, and in respect of his wife, she said, just die and give up to God. Covered from head to feet in sores, pus oozing, nothing worth to live for. Didn't want to go on. All he wanted was consolation, some comfort and understanding of why is this happening. So he sat in the gates. His friends, the elders, the wise, came and sat beside him to offer him wise counsel. But they, again, by the wise words of these people, they proved they weren't wise. And in the end, Job says, in um, chapter 28, he says, Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth. He sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters... When he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, he looked at wisdom and appraised it and he tested it and he confirmed it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. Now, when we're talking about fear, we're not talking about a bullying fear. We're not talking about how Adam felt when he knew he sinned and he was hiding in the Garden of Eden, thinking he was going to be condemned. We're not talking about a fear of someone who's done wrong, who's expecting to see a judge. We're talking about a fear that is reverential awe of God, of his wonder, of his love, to know him, to love him, and to know of him. To know we're forgiven, no longer condemned, but free in Christ. That is the fear of the Lord, and that is wisdom. To know God is the beginning of wisdom, and you as a child, we as children, can ask for it and ask for more. You know, the Bible's full of advice, but I've had to chop these down. You have James 1, 5, which says, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, thank God, and it will be given to you. Proverbs 2, 2-6 says, Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek for them like a hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There was a man in the Old Testament who was a king. And God said to him, what can I give you? What would you like? Now, if God asked you that tonight, what would you answer? I don't know what I would answer. Probably not exactly the same as what this is, but Solomon said, I'd like wise counsel, how to lead your people. I want to understand how to lead your people well. And by doing so, instead of asking for things like money, I'm sure he had lots of money, but I want more wives. I want protection for my enemies. I want long life. He didn't ask for any of that. And what was God's response? God said, since you have asked for this, not for long life or wealth for yourself, you have not asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you, or ever will be. I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. 
Solomon said, I just want to be wise. But God's seen his heart. I went, he's not asking for himself. He's asking for his people. He's asking for my, my children. He's asking for my glory. And what did God say? Have it and have more and more and more and more. You think of Solomon, everyone who is he's not even a Christian knows of Solomon. God was true to his word. He says, I will make you known among men. Solomon is definitely known among men. But if we're really to understand wisdom, we need one example. Not only, but there is only one example. Now that, of course, is Christ. Jesus, sorry, James said that the wisdom from above is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Christ was pure and is pure. And in this context, it means undiluted, not mixed with anything, not mixed with the world, not mixed in your circumstances, but pure, holy, set apart. But why was he holy? How did he set himself apart? He was continually in his father's presence, continually learning what the father's will was. And in Romans um, 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's the same command to us. That's the same way, an example that Christ set for us. You think of submission. Christ, the life of Christ is just full of submission, isn't it? But one that comes to mind is the prayer of Gethsemane. When he knew what he was facing, he knew he was facing the cross, he knew he was facing certain death. He knew what he was facing. And he said three times, Father, if it can be done any other way, can it be done any other way? And three times Jesus said, not my will, but yours. Three times he submitted. And again, as I said at the start, it's not about a fear of being bullied. It's not a fear of the Father. It's not a fear of condemnation. But his submission was through love. A love for us. For us who were far apart from him. Who crucified him. But how do we submit to the Father's will if we don't even know the Father's will? You say, I've not heard from God for so long. I don't know what actually God's called me to do. I've been here for years and I've, I seem to have glazed over. I don't know what's going on. All you can do is just be in his presence, seeking wisdom from a wise counsel. Christ was full of mercy and good fruits. You know what, there's so many, so many scriptures I could put in here tonight, but the best example I believe, apart from Christ's sacrifice on the cross, how he was full of mercy, was when the woman was caught in adultery. Funny how they say woman and not man. Where was the man? Moving on. So she was caught in adultery. You had these really zealous leaders come up really angry. She's done this. She's done that. She's done this. What are you going to do? Well, Christ knew what the law said, but he didn't respond the way that he they expected. How did Christ respond? He took his time. He listened to their anger. He listened to their dissension. And then finally in John 8, verse 7, he says, let him without, the first, let him without sin cast the first stone. And as we know, from the eldest to the youngest, they left. There was, no, there was no one there to condemn. And the fact that she was not stoned is amazing in itself. But where did she find herself? She found herself at the foot of Christ, of the Messiah. She didn't even ask for mercy. She was expecting condemnation and judgment. She was expecting to be put to death. But what did she find? She found mercy. If we need an example of the fruits of the Spirit, we have Christ. Christ. 
He is love. He brings joy to the broken, peace to the storm that we're in. He's patient with us when we continually fail. He shows us his kindness with his gift of eternal life. He's generous with his gifts because we are co-heirs with him. He's faithful when everyone has left us. He's gentle in spirit. He shows immeasurable self-control when he faced the persecution and the crucifixion. There is no other person but Christ who is our example. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature as as a child with favor of man. It sort of points to the fact that you don't need to be old to be wise. You've got a lot of young people in here. There's going to be a lot of older people who claim to be wise but aren't wise. And the fact that you have Christ in you means that you are wise. The knowledge of Christ is wisdom. Age Age is a number. It means nothing. You can be as old as the hills and as foolish as they are. So he grew in wisdom and stature by being in his father's presence, as I said before. Verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Thinking a few weeks back to James 1, chapter, uh, verse 20, where it says, James said that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, this is the complete opposite, isn't it? It clearly shows how we can show the righteousness of God by being peaceable with those around us, showing peace and acting in peace. And it's also the, the response and the answer to verse 13 where it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Show it by your good life, by your deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. If in the workplace, your school, at home, you're getting bullied, you're getting harassed, you're getting pushed around, you're getting knocked about, made fun of, and just being treated like a piece of dirt. How do you respond? I'll tell you how I would have responded a long time ago, and it wouldn't have been very nice. But you don't have the option, do you? We, as Christ followers, we don't have an option of how we're going to respond. We're called to respond in peace. Let me quickly share a story. So I work full-time in London. I work two days a week in London and three days at home. But I moved there last May, um, and I was brought in to replace another manager who was very toxic and was quite destructive in his, his management style. Um, so I came in in May, I started the transition in July, and then the management, in their wisdom, decided to tell this person quite late on. So instead of being angry at the, the management and the company, this person took everything, and I mean everything, out of me. And all I, I just wanted a job. I didn't really, didn't really do anything to, to see him off. But since July last year, this person has gossiped to my team, undermined me, he tried to embarrass me in front of the boss a number of times, He sent me Teams, because Teams is useless. He sent me Teams messages, which are quite inappropriate. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And as I said before, had he done this a few years back before I was saved, it wouldn't have been an issue, but it would have been a a catastrophic failure. But as I said, I haven't got the option of how am I going to respond. I don't have the option to think, well, how, how could I get one over him? How can I say to my team something to counteract what he said? I don't have that option. I have to respond in peace. So how have I responded? I've responded with prayer. I've responded with praying for him, forgiving him, trying to be patient, trying not to lose my temper, which is quite hard when someone's acting that way. And I don't know what God's doing. I have no idea. But what I have seen since the start of this year is that two times he just poured out his heart to me. 
and just said, I feel this and this and this. And I think, well, you're the bully, mate. But he's pouring out his heart. So whatever reason I'm there, God has it in control. And as I said, I could have, I could have been evil in my response. But Romans 12 says, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And just by praying into that situation, praying for that person, forgiving them, trying to show mercy, you can see the small shoots, you can see little shoots of peace coming up. It's not my doing, it's just the fact that I'm there. But the fact is that I carry Christ in there. I'm Christ's ambassador in that office. The way I walk represents Christ. So as we close tonight, let us remember there are two types of wisdom. The wisdom of this world, which we know leads to death, and the wisdom of God, which produces fruit and life. Let's remember, the wisdom of God is only found through the blood of Christ. Only through Christ. There is no other wisdom you can get which brings life. We can grow in wisdom, like Christ, by spending time with a father, spending time in prayer, spending time reciting scriptures, washing ourselves in the word, seeking godly counsel, and just surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, through the gift of this Holy Spirit, we can receive wisdom tonight. In James 1.5, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all without fault. The Father, when you ask, will give freely, but you must ask, and I must ask in faith. So as we close, as I said, let's ask for this faith. But let's examine ourselves first. Is there selfish ambition? Is there a pride? Is there envy? Is it me, myself, and I? Are we putting ourselves before Christ? Are we trying to elevate ourselves when we, we can't? It's, it's worldly and it's death. If you are, repent, I ask. Ask for a heart that seeks God and his will. Ask for your hardened heart to be softened. Ask for a wisdom that comes from above. Ask for the wisdom of Christ, which brings life and peace. And doesn't matter what storm you face, doesn't matter where you are, if you have Christ in you, you are probably the wisest person in that place. So let's pray. Can I just ask the band to come back up, please? So what I want to do is just, we'll close in prayer. Nathan and the team will um, sing us out. But I just want to focus on the fact that if there is anything within us, we can look to our neighbors, we can look around us, we can look to everyone else and find fault. But generally, we need to examine ourselves first. So Father God, we praise you and we love you and we thank you for your son, Christ Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. For the same spirit who rose Christ Jesus from the dead, it's the same spirit who's alive and active within us. The same spirit who brings peace, who brings strength, who brings wisdom in the storms. I ask, Lord, that our tongues are guarded, as we said a few weeks back. Guard our tongues and guard our hearts. And let us in all things, Lord, by the way that we act, show wisdom, show mercy, show peace, and show love. And I pray as your people listen tonight, Lord, they will be touched by your your counsel by your Holy Spirit, that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high by our actions, our good works, our peacefulness, and our submission to Christ. Amen.